0: Hello and welcome to the Chronic Living Podcast, your need-to-know source for living with a chronic illness or disability. I'm your host, Alex Pappas, and I'll be sharing my experiences living with a chronic illness as well as inviting others on to share their stories. So join me in shining a light on the world that is chronic living. All right, guys. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Chronic Living. Today, I am joined by Samantha, and she's going to share her experiences being part of the chronic community again. (laughs) I'm I'm like... I'm not even going to I'm not even going to sugarcoat it like this is the first time we've talked.
1: <sighs> nice to meet you.
0: <laughs> Look, I'm okay with it. I was swearing too much in the, pe- the last time that we talked. I think you were swearing too much. I don't remember. Oh, I, I definitely, definitely was. I definitely was. So, you know, we're going to do this. I
1: definitely was a the f- li- very liberal use of certain four-letter words.
0: Yeah so so we're gonna do the family friendly version um yeah. so you know it, right. so I know I've I've talked to you before I don't like specifically know you I know that you post a lot of things that I see on Facebook now because we're Facebook True. friends um but yeah no we've we've talked before for actually quite a while before it was it was like two and a half hours
1: It was a long time it was a
0: long time it was, it was a
1: good conversation
0: so so welcome back <laughs> I guess Thanks. go ahead and let everybody know who you are and what you've been diagnosed with since I already know. I have, oh, a, I have a pretty good remember- I
1: forget all the time. So I have to pull up my list off of my phone.
0: <laughs> That's right. How many How many different? You, you're You one of the higher numbered diagnosis. Uh, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14,
1: 15, 16, 17.
0: No, oh, okay. Let me rephrase it. You were the, you were still the highest <laughs> person out of all the diagnoses. Somebody else had, uh, I believe 11.
1: Yeah. That, uh,
0: yeah. And this right.
1: isn't a hundred percent. Like I have others that are currently in the works.
0: You're in the works. Like, you know, there's, are still, uh, they're still cooking.
1: Whatever. Yeah. I have to go see the person again, because you know, a specialist can't see you only four times. They have to see you like 10 times.
0: Well, yeah, they only get forty dollars a visit, so why would they not see you more?
1: Well, they well, get more they get forty dollars from me.
0: Well, they yeah, get more yeah. than that
1: from the insurance companies.
0: Yeah, they get forty, they get forty dollars a visit from me and I go all the time because you know broken butt, you gotta say hi all the time to your doctor, but so they don't give you your meds.
1: Yeah, okay, so um I guess I'll just read down the list.
0: Yeah, just I would say give a description of what each one is, if you want to, if it's, or if they're okay. paired together and you want to lump them together under description, like go for it.
1: All right, um, so I guess the big one that I have is Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, uh, or hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, also Ehlers-Danlos syndrome type three EDS is a connective tissue disorder that affects collagen in the body. So all of the stretchy bits that hold you together, <laughs> like your ligaments and whatnot um, look more like Swiss cheese than they're supposed to. Oh. Um, and so you tend to tear or break or the, the ligaments and the connective tissue breaks down a lot quicker and a lot more easily than the average person. Also because connective tissues is what holds all our joints in place. Uh, EDS people are more likely to have them dislocate or partially dislocate, which is known as uh, subluxation. Uh, So that's fun. Um, After that, I have what's called ventriculomegaly compensated hydrocephalus, which means that the ventricles in my brain where cerebral spinal fluid is stored are like three to four times the size they're supposed to be so my head is giant I wear a men's extra extra large size helmet um,
0: all right out of curiosity what are you wearing a helmet for
1: if I want to do anything anything physical like when I went skiing I had to wear a helmet
0: well I mean most people wear helmets when they're skiing I feel like it's a good practice but what yeah. what, what about like soccer Although I feel like that's a really bad idea with I, extra stretchy well, I joints.
1: Can't play soccer anymore because of the connective tissue disorder. Uh,
0: Without the connective tissue disorder, would you have to wear like a helmet?
1: It would be highly recommended. Anything that Got involves it. getting hit in the head is okay. a bad time for everyone. So, like you know how the brain has all these like folds in it, right? Yep. So because my brain had to expand to make room for all of the fluid, um, the folds of my brain kind of expanded. So more of my brain surface area is right against my skull and I don't have as much of the space and cushioning around my brain.
0: Got it. So I'm
1: more susceptible to getting concussions and more severe brain trauma than the average person would from the same injury.
0: So if you have a lot more fluid, is that, that's not something they could like drain?
1: You would think!
0: Like I, you know, if if your tire's got too much air in it, you let a little air out, it looks better.
1: So usually that is how hydrocephalus is treated. Normally people, especially my age, if they're diagnosed with hydrocephalus, they have to have a surgery to input a shunt in their brain. And the shunt Basically drains excess fluid um, out of the brain and into the like stomach cavity to be back absorbed into your system. Um,
0: Sounds like I had
1: I had intracranial pressure monitoring done where they stuck a wire in my brain to measure the pressure when I was seventeen, um, and my pressure. I don't exactly know like the unit of measurement, but basically, if your pressure numbers are sustained above 20, that's when you need a shunt. And mine was sustained around 17. So they were like, ah, it's elevated. It's high enough to cause problems, but not high enough for us to do anything. Bye. Go to leave pediatrics and go to adult people. And so I spent 10 years being passed around to like six or seven different teams of neurologists and neurosurgeons and whatnot across like, Five different cities and four states uh and then recently I had at the Mayo a lumbar puncture and my pressure was the equivalent to 21 and 23 when they did that because that's like a one-time reading yeah um and then I had intracranial pressure monitoring again uh last month but when they did it last month, my pressure, they did it through the spine. It was a weird thing. And my pressure was stable around seven. So they don't know what's going on with me, but I know I am someone who does not have a shunt. I am an odd person out, but yes, typically that is like the only cure for hydrocephalus, really the only treatment for hydrocephalus is brain surgery, putting in a shunt, draining excess fluid.
0: And they don't want to do that?
1: No, not at the moment. So I just get to frequently start what I've been doing the past 10 years and go back to get MRIs every year and do more lumbar punctures and ICP monitoring and maybe eventually I'll need one? Who knows? No one that I've talked to knows.
0: Well, (laughs) Sounds like a lot of work
1: yeah it, it's not it's not fun i mean and of course all my doctors are like well it's better than having a shunt you know because those get infected and have to be repaired and replaced and it's just a lifetime of problems and i'm like yeah but at least after it gets fixed your symptoms go away
0: so you could like do things without a helmet well
1: oh no i'd still need a helmet Oh. Yeah, that helmet thing is like a lifelong, like there's no getting out of it. I also cannot go skydiving. I cannot go deep sea diving.
0: Because of the pressure change.
1: Yeah, I actually, um, obviously I don't have a shunt, so I'm a unique case here, but I cannot swim under more than like two feet of water without feeling like my head's going to explode. Oh. Yeah, like a kiddie pool is the deepest I can go.
0: That doesn't sound fun at all.
1: No, it's not. It's a it's a weird experience. And sometimes when I go on airplanes, I've had issues, but not as much because they're usually pressurized.
0: Yeah, yeah, they're ba- they balance it out.
1: Weird. So basically, if I ever wanted to go deep sea diving, I'd need like one of those old metal pressurized diving suits from like Scooby Doo. Ah, but uh, those aren't
0: well you need that for more than two feet of water
1: yeah and Got i mean it. those aren't easily accessible
0: so <laughs> well, i feel like i feel like that's excessive yeah. if you want to go down dive in the deep end of the y
1: yeah so uh those are kind of i think the big two that have kind of caused me the most issues lately
0: and then uh, what are all the little ones
1: Well, on top of the hydrocephalus, I also have uh, daily chronic headaches and chronic migraines. Um, So the way I describe it is I kind of live every day, all day with varying severities of a brain freeze. Just imagine like what a brain freeze feel like, feels like, and then I have that every day, all day, ranging from like a, you know, a one to a eight on the pain scale.
0: Uh, no, thank you. I'm good. Yeah. No. Yeah, that's...
1: And then I also have chronic migraines, which pop up, which are, you know, that ice pick stabbing you type of pain. And with that comes things like visual changes and nausea and light and sound sensitivity and all that other migraine stuff but on the plus side uh some of the medications that i've been trying lately like i'm on amovig right now and ubrevly those have been been working so far so i'm the migraines are relatively under control it's just everything else that sucks
0: (laughs) i feel like medications would be easier if they just put a number on it
1: yeah, but I'd rather say you bravely than like, I need medication 6794302. I'd,
0: I'd remember the numbers though. I don't remember how to say half of the stuff I was previously on. Like the, the names that they come up with, are just like, oh my God.
1: Why? I'd remember names easier, but you know.
0: I'm I mean, as long as you write general. down the
1: name, you're good. <laughs>
0: See, I've had like three different medications that have been like a couple letters off of each other. Yeah, and it it really messed with me when I was on because I was there were all three pills and I couldn't I couldn't for the life of me remember which one was which or what they yeah, did. I, I was like trying to explain it to my doctor, and if I didn't bring the bottles in with me and be like this one,
1: <laughs> I just bring my bag. I have a medicine bag that I bring to the doctor with me. So if they're ever like, oh, you know, what medications are you on? Here you go.
0: Yes. Because
1: then they ask, you know, what's the dosage? How many times a day? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Just here. So yeah. Um, let's see what else do I have on here that's related. Um, uh, dysautonomia is another one. Yep. I don't know if that's really a specific diagnosis or just kind of like a series of symptoms that people get. It's really common with EDS and with hydrocephalus and with everything else.
0: Yep. I've talked to basically a couple of
1: people
0: like any that have symptom- the i I've talked to a couple of people that have the combo of the two of them.
1: Yeah, so basically any any symptom you have that we can't explain away by something else, we're just going to stick it under the umbrella of dysautonomia. Yep. Uh, I also have chronic iron deficiency anemia. Uh, I have TMJ or TMDD, I guess is the official name. My jaw's messed up. Uh, mild sleep apnea, suspected postural orthostatic,
0: what? I said, at least that one's mild.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I have it. Technically, they wanted to be like, we need to give you a sleep study and give you like a machine that shoves air up your nose. And I was like,
0: yeah, Yeah, because I'm, okay. I'm going to sleep great while I'm hooked up to a billion wires and force right? in the air. Like, yeah, that's My 100% how a I home. sleep at home.
1: I call it his half a lump machine because he looks like a half a lump with it on. It's,
0: it's like the dumbest thing. Like, we're going to do a sleep study of what? I already don't sleep at home. How do you expect me to sleep here? Like, which- Right?
1: I actually I just, asked them that because I was like, "Listen, I've been diagnosed with a legitimate insomnia disorder. Like, I don't sleep well at home in my bed while I'm by myself, and everything is ideal. And you expect me to sleep perfectly in a hospital study lab with wires hooked up to me and a bunch of people watching me? No.
0: I'll end up but- just talking that- to all the people and. <laughs> so how that- how was your weekend? Uh- <laughs> You guys have any kids? <laughs> Anybody single, married, like no, just just grinding out the medical career. I c- I can respect that. And, like go to sleep. I'm um, pretty sure
1: it breaks like several policies or laws or whatever for a doctor and a patient to do anything.
0: I mean, yeah, it would just well, I feel like the, look. <laughs> I bring that up not because I'm like I would want to date the people that are doing the study. I bring that up because I feel like that's the stereotypical question that like people ask you at work.
1: Okay. Or yeah. That
0: you're yeah. around. Like, are you married? And since I'm a single person, I'm like, well, you got kids. Are you single? Like, did you, you didn't make that mistake yet. Right. Okay. That's good.
1: <laughs> let see what I do is I say, if I see someone, I'm like, do you have kids? How old are they? Are they cute? Are they single? <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's true with all the people that we're around because we're broken, everybody's old. Uh.
1: (laughs) Oh, I hands down always know that anytime I walk into any neurologist office, any neurologist I've ever had, I'm always the youngest person there by at least 30 to 50 years. And I'm typically the only person who's A, not in a wheelchair, side note, not in a wheelchair yet. uh, And I'm the only person filling out my own paperwork everybody else has like their daughter or their son with them that's filling out the paperwork
0: yeah yeah when I go to my gastroenterologist it's usually people that are in like their 60s and up yeah they're going for like their first colonoscopy ever like they're one one in like five years they're going they're freaking out
1: oh god, I Like god this is all for me yeah
0: <laughs> I'm like oh first call because you can tell I'm like first colonoscopy like yeah I'm like ah, that's not bad I'm on like seventh <laughs> they just look at me like oh my god like, like yeah you'll be fine
1: James, James Franco in that one movie first time
0: <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll like kind of mess with them be like look you're gonna love the nap that you get like you're gonna feel great when you wake up they're like what I'm like yeah no it's Like if you get if you got like you sleep well no all right it's gonna be the best sleep you've probably had in a long time it's great (laughs) like trust me
1: highly recommended for people with insomnia
0: (laughs) yep look the prep the prep is horrible the lack of food is even worse sore butt definitely not a great part of it but that nap though yeah but I think
1: if you're getting a colonoscopy when you're this young, you probably are used to having a sore butt.
0: You're not wrong. <laughs> like You're not, you're not wrong. Like, usually, usually, like, I have to get them, I think, every two years, maybe every one now. I don't even remember. I don't know. They call me when I need them, which is sad, but I go way too often. Um, but yeah, no, if, if you're getting it because you're having a flare-up, yeah, with... With how often you're going to the bathroom and how much you're wiping, like that hurts way more than anything you're going to deal with for the colonoscopy. Plus, they knock you out for it, so you don't really feel it. You, you got to invest
1: in the nap. day, man.
0: Like, but no, that nap and everybody that's had a colonoscopy with like actual anesthetics, where they have an anesthesiologist, they know that that nap is ten for ten. Some gold that quality sleep right there.
1: It most. It'd only be an hour and a half, but.
0: <laughs> It might only be an hour and a half, but man, it feels like you slept for like a week straight compared to what I sleep. Oh, it felt great. So yeah, yeah. Back to the... The Compared to a a sleep study. (laughs) No, I I would be talking to everybody if there were people watching me. I wouldn't be able to sleep because I can't. My brain already thinks of like a billion different things when I'm trying to go to sleep at night with nobody around. Yeah. Well, there's a whole bunch of people I can talk to.
1: What? usually when I'm having procedures done or when I'm at a doctor's office or whatever, I usually am the person who gets like the five or six medical students coming in because they're like, ooh, you rarely will see someone with this many problems. Come learn.
0: Yeah, like if I was doing a sleep study, I'd be over here be like, so guys, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I do have a podcast (laughs) (laughs) promoting to the people while they're doing a sleep study. Oh, like just going to plug it in here real quick. I mean, I am kind of paying you guys to go listen to it because this test is going to cost a lot of money. So go support the podcast, like, and subscribe. Yeah, that's, that's why I would never do a sleep study because I would, nothing would be achieved. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. So after mild not sleeping insomnia what, what else was on the list we went on a tangent about <laughs> we're sleep studies halfway.
1: We're good. Uh, so after the pots minor pots, suspected pots another
0: uh, minor that's good
1: yeah i mean they say minor because i had autonomic reflex screening done at the mayo and they were like nope you don't have this but then every time Subsequently, I've had something done. They were like, you probably have it. So who knows? They just Uh, can't make up their mind. I also have something called neurocardiogenic syncope. So POTS is basically like anytime you shift positions quickly, like going from laying down to standing up, like my vision will black out, my head will hurt, I'll get really, really dizzy, and if I don't like stand still and wait for it to pass, I'll like pass out or fall over or whatever
0: Um, no roller coasters
1: (laughs) i black out on those too. (laughs) actually uh neurocardiogenic syncope is kind of what people so you know people at weddings when they've been standing up at the altar too long and suddenly someone will pass out i thought that was
0: because they just lock their knees in straight and it screws up your blood flow
1: yeah sometimes other times it's because they have this disorder so basically
0: like okay
1: if i'm standing up for too long at some point my blood pressure will kind of freak out and if i don't immediately like sit and lay down and lift my legs up uh i'm gonna i'm gonna pass out got it basically like the body's equivalent of oh something is wrong let me turn it on and off and back on again. (laughs) Did
0: you try turning it off and back on again? Like, yep, we tried that.
1: That's basically what it does, because as soon as you hit the ground, like, you'll pass out. And then as soon as you get to, like, a horizontal position, you come back.
0: like, well, I'm good. Yep. Restart complete.
1: Uh, What else do I have on here?
0: (laughs) Sorry, I blue screen for a minute. (laughs) I think it's
1: called Brown Out.
0: The, all the all the computer nerds will get that that's when your computer runs out of memory and it just blue screens and restarts
1: yeah those are that's like a. that's windows specifically though yep yeah yep. i used to have one my dad's a big pc person i have a oh I have a
0: Mac. oh oh I'm, I'm sorry to have my oh
1: we're we're not even gonna get my started my that, peasant though.
0: presence around you i'm sorry <laughs> All right, I, so, I
1: most people I agree with most people that the PCs are better in that you can customize them and build what you need and it all works together and you have a lot more control over it. I just happen to like the
0: Look, I understand over- that Macs are way better for media. Yeah. Um, and I'm a gamer, so I don't have that option. Because <laughs> yeah, no. gaming doesn't work on Macs.
1: I'm not uh oh okay uh reading down the list again uh i have asthma i've had that since i was two
0: okay i mean that's uh, a little more common
1: yeah i is also had or a... is
0: it just like normal
1: ah now it's it's pretty mild when i was little <laughs> i was having to do multiple like nebulizer treatments a day and i just was never breathing got it um and then in terms of like mental health i have extremely severe adhd combined presentation uh major depressive disorder post-traumatic stress disorder generalized anxiety disorder i get frequent panic attacks and i have the insomnia disorder
0: i I interviewed somebody the other day that had the ptsd and um major depressive disorder
1: yeah usually if you get ptsd the major depressive disorder kind of comes with it
0: they just come as a pair
1: yeah Depression, anxiety, PTSD. It's like
0: yeah, we had anxiety too. So
1: yeah, it's like the the trifecta from hell.
0: Yep. <sighs> Good old mind going down the down the rabbit hole.
1: Yeah. So that's yep. I think I think that's everything.
0: That's all? all. It's all what seventeen. Yeah. God, it's a lot.
1: Seventeen or eighteen, somewhere around there.
0: I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I'm sure I have a couple other things. I probably have some I probably have some bone or joint issues. Probably arthritis if I already get it diagnosed. I don't know. But I'm good because another diagnosis means probably more money every month. Oh.
1: Yeah, I uh I I ghost some of my doctors <laughs> when I'm like, this is not my most pressing pressing issue right now. I mean, I don't have money to pay for this issue and the issue that I'm really dealing with. So you're gonna I'm just not going to talk to you for a few months.
0: Like yeah, one's going to kill me. One, I might be able to fix in a couple of years. Might be a little uncomfortable from time to time, but I'll be okay.
1: Right. Like, it's like right. people who like, "Oh, I I dislocated this. I have to go to the ER." I'm like, "Nah, I'll I'll figure out how to pop it back in
0: myself." Hit it hit it against the wall. Like your shoulder will pop back. It's no big deal, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, right. could I risk nerve damage and tearing things? Yeah, but I risk that every time I walk down the stairs. So,
0: I, why would I pay somebody for something I can do myself? Like I popped it out, I can pop it back in. Right. It, it, it'll be fine. Yeah. 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 No, it's ugh. Yeah, no, and, and and I 100% understand that. It's like, you know, especially when your main issue is like blaring up or acting up really bad. Everything else you just don't care about.
1: Right. It's kind of like when you have a chronic illness, like half the time you're like, Oh, this sucks. This sucks. This sucks, but I can manage it. Like, Oh, and then there'll be that one day where one thing happens that is just like, Oh my God, I can't deal with this. Like, ah, and then you go back to the, I can manage this, it sucks, but I manage it like.
0: Well, and then occasionally you'll get the, all right, this sucks, this sucks. Hey, we fixed it. And then you're like, what is that? That yeah, doesn't feel right. Where did that come from? Can I go back to what we were, what were we dealing with last time? Like, That didn't feel anywhere near as bad.
1: Yeah, honestly, at some point when like I have people fix things, I've been operating so long with doing things the wrong way. That I'm like, okay, you fixing it makes it feel weird. I don't, I don't know how to deal oh, with this. Or like, fixing a
0: problem makes you realize something else is broken that you didn't realize was broken because it was hiding. Right. You fix like something, having- and now that that pain has gone, you're like, oh god, why does this hurt? That doesn't. That's not. A, that's not good.
1: I'm having to retrain myself using a physical therapy book because I've run out of physical therapy visits for the year. Um, how to walk correctly because I didn't know for the first 26 years of my life, that because my knees hyperextend so much, the way I walk is completely incorrect.
0: (laughs) Oh.
1: So now I've got one knee that got surgically fixed, so it doesn't hyperextend, and the (laughs) other one does. And so I walk kind of like, I kind of, I don't know if it's called waddling, or limping, or, it, it's, just, it's a very awkward walk.
0: It's just not normal.
1: Well, nothing about me is normal.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, it's part of being a chronic, chronic illness individual. Crony. Spoonie.
1: That makes me think of Crohn's disease, though.
0: I know. There's a whole bunch of different names for it. Chronic warrior. Spoonie. I like I Spoonie.
1: I had to explain to my parents the other day what spoon theory and fork theory was.
0: So fork theory?
1: Fork theory. It's for ADHD. So like, one idea, you know how forks have like the three or four little pieces at the end,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: what make it a fork? So fork theory is an ADHD person will start with one idea that'll branch out into four. Each of those will branch out into their own four and you'll follow one of them. And then sometimes you might jump back to another random one. And for everybody else, it looks like you're just making up nonsense but like no i know i know the path i took just nobody else does
0: see now that you say that (laughs) that's that's 100 percent how my brain works oh
1: yeah it's kind of like you know
0: i just write them all down down and turn them into
1: dog toys that are ethically created to talking about the best brand of spaghetti sauce and other people will be like Uh. how in the world did you get from a point A to point B?
0: I mean, we don't even have that conversation because obviously it's ragu.
1: <laughs> I'm a Prego person.
0: Um. All right, I can. I, I thought you were about to say Chef Boy I was gonna be. Upset. Oh no! no.
1: <laughs> I love Chef RD as a kid, and I tried it again as an adult, and I was like, "What is wrong with little kid me?"
0: Um, ragu for whatever reason, doesn't bother my colitis. Prego tastes better, but doesn't agree with my colitis.
1: Yeah, better not to angry the no angry tummy. It's
0: like a sleeping dragon. You don't you don't mess with it. Just leave it alone.
1: <laughs> Cross your That's, fingers and pray.
0: It's like schmog. You leave him be. You wake him up, he burns the whole city down
1: right? It's like when people, oh, well, why don't you try this? I'm like, because I can manage it at the level that it's at. I don't want to risk it getting worse.
0: Like, have you tried some of those TikTok challenges? I think you're supposed to eat something or drink something. Have you guys tried that? No. Okay. Yeah. Stop telling me I should try things.
1: Not being a dumbass.
0: Like if I, uh, if I were to do everything that somebody told me to try, I probably would have eaten a Tide Pod at some point in my life. We all know that's a bad idea. Yeah, so I hope, I hope we understand it's a bad idea.
1: My mom's over here. Like, I told her, because of my EDS, I was told, like, you can't get certain massages or whatever because your tense muscles are tense because they're holding all of you together. Like, you make them relax, you might temporarily feel better, but your joints are going to move around and dislocate much more because they don't have the tense muscles holding them in place. Turning my mom your- was like
0: pile of spaghetti i
1: talked to this i talked to this masseuse the other day and they knew about what you had and they told me that that's not true and i was like you want me to trust the the
0: person that needs a hundred dollar certificate to do their job
1: of a random masseuse you met randomly at a place versus my team of doctors who know me like
0: I'm like, Mom, which one costs more? All right, I'm listening to that group. (laughs) They cost more for a reason. Uh, They cost more for a reason.
1: Yeah, but then again, you know, my parents are also the people who are like, I'm not going to get the vaccine. Like, I don't trust it. Really? Really? Like, you're going to trust some person on Facebook who posted this? random pixelated image about the covid shot versus the cdc who spends billions of dollars per year has countless employees who this is literally their life's work
0: my whole my whole thing is like i have a chronic illness i've had so many different chemicals in my body what's another vaccine like they were talking about which one was it? The Moderna shot had like a one in a million chance of a blood cut. I'm like, man, if that was the only possible side effect for the medications I've been on, like that would have been great. Right? Like one in a million chance to get a blood clot. That's it. Oh, you feel bad for a day? Well, it's only lasts like a day or two. Like what? Like I doesn't... have a
1: higher chance of getting a million of these symptoms just from being me.
0: Like. <laughs> It doesn't cause major depression, hallucinations, mood swings, the munchies, like night sweats, breakouts. And you go to your
1: doctor and they're like, Have you been experiencing shortness of breath, chest tightness, like chest pain, da da da? And I have to go, no more than normal?
0: Like what before or after I walked up the flight of stairs to get here, like...
1: Right? Like, <laughs> what... Like, what's your pain level right now? And I was like, oh, just just the normal amount. The normal amount is zero.
0: Like, really? It must be nice.
1: There are people I, out there I, who's I ready don't, for work?
0: I don't believe that, because I feel like the normal American is at least at, like, a two or a three, at least mentally and emotionally, because of where we are in the world. Like, I don't I don't believe anybody is at a normal zero. Like, normal is a zero. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call BS on that one. Like, sounds like you need to go to the doctor because you're lying to yourself about how you are handling things mentally. Like, we need to have a talk. Are you okay?
1: Or it's like people who I'm just like, you wait, what do you mean your body does what it's supposed to? and you don't take any medication? How is that possible? I
0: so, wait, I don't um, know
1: what I I've never lived like that. I've never in my life not been on at least three or four different medications.
0: I was up until 17 then. Oh, I feel like it's one of the, this that's one of the things that sucks when you get like diagnosed with a chronic illness and you're you're functional human being before except for maybe you know a little depression here and there um it's like you know what you're missing it's like oh my god oh yeah yeah it's it's one thing like if you don't know what you're missing it just it it sucks but when you know what you're missing it really sucks but i don't know i mean i've gotten used to it i have a good sense of humor so broken butt and
1: you have to have a good sense of humor to continue living like everything is falling apart because it's like I to, what else can you do man right like it's, my options here are try to make the best of my situation or die
0: it's kind of like like imagine yourself in a house and the house is on fire and there's not an option for it to not be on fire it's just like which room would you prefer the fire to be in that's chronic illness <laughs> Like something's going to be broken. Just you try to funnel it into the best possible scenario. It's still not great. Like the house is still on fire. But at least it's in the garage. The garage mm-hmm.
1: would be a terrible place to have a fire. That
0: means That's better. That's where than... like
1: propane tanks are held and where like gasoline is in cars. Better like than, it's better than like much in, better in the to bedroom. Have it in, like a bedroom than to have it be in the garage unless,
0: unless you're in the bedroom
1: <laughs> well i'm assuming well technically if the house is a metaphor for you then
0: i mean well, ever- that's true you're always in the bedroom but i mean true but yeah yeah it's like putting it in the best possible room and just put it in the attic to at the top of the house the fire's gonna burn up right
1: that um, is basically my life story. Everything yeah. wrong is wrong with my head.
0: Well, okay, so so, it, it's, it's, <laughs> your your attic is on fire. Um, yeah. So, which I mean, I, I'm speaking, speaking for myself on this one. I feel like I've gotten to the point where I'm good and functional. Um, my body is definitely good at suffering. I've learned that one. Uh, mentally, I'm good at suffering, and I've gotten that one on lockdown. So being in a ton of medical debt it's kind of just like yeah it's a no- normal day I get a end at some point <clears throat> so yeah yeah
1: I, I fluctuate there are days obviously when I have flare-ups and f- for me because most of my like if my chronic pain is like my knee or my ankle I'm fine like I've gone to work and walked on legitimately broken bones and torn ligaments for like a week before a doctor saw and finally forced me to get imaging done. And I'm like, "Oh, it didn't didn't hurt that bad. I broke my femur. I broke my femur, tore my ACL, tore my meniscus and sprained my MCL." And I just like slapped a knee brace on, grabbed some crutches and went to work. Like nothing. Yep. But I get migraines sometimes that you know, it's my brain. I can't exactly ignore my brain hurting because it stops all function.
0: Well, yeah, that's, that's a little more than like, you know, your knee hurts, your bones are hurting. Granted, I mean, broken's not great, but yeah. Yeah. So yeah. What we, what we adapt to and kind of overcome is I think it's, I think once you actually realize and, and understand what you're capable of and capable of like withstanding, it's kind of, like, yeah, I'm uh, I'm pretty resilient. Sucks that I have to be resilient, but damn, I'm good at it.
1: Right? I think we should be able to add it onto our resumes, and it should be seen as like a pro. Like, this person is, you know, chronically ill. They can deal with anything. Instead I mean, of it being seen as like, oh, this person is disabled. I don't want them working for me.
0: Yeah, like this person has a chronic illness and a disability, they deal with things on a regular basis that you don't deal with, but maybe once a year, if that. Like what they go through daily, you could never understand unless you were dealing with it.
1: Yeah, I think I read most recently, the most recent statistic that I read said that everyone in the world, like not everyone, okay, one out of four people will experience being disabled at some point in their life. I believe it. So it's the only population of people that everyone is just one bad car ride or a slip or, you know, one illness away from being. So I don't understand why everyone doesn't factor being accessible and What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, flexible for people with disabilities all the time. It, it like it doesn't compute with me. Like, why wouldn't you make your stores wheelchair accessible, have ramps, have you know, lifts or whatever? If most people are going to experience some form of disability, and that's not even including things like, oh, I broke my foot, I have to experience having a broken foot for 10 weeks.
0: Yeah, that that requires people thinking outside of what is currently affecting them and only affecting them. Um, But I mean, you know, as as fun as it's not to, as fun as it isn't to experience, I definitely think there's you know there's some good things that can come out of it and some some purpose-driven things that happen for those of us that uh go through some stuff what
1: would you say are your like top three things that you think have come out
0: so so one of the big things that i mean that i talk about and that i i deeply believe Pain puts things into perspective and that perspective can give us a purpose. Um, and I believe that that's kind of the, the point that I'm at in my life. I mean, this podcast being one of them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, hopefully the things that it can do down the road. But I see a lot of, and <clears throat> well, I'm starting to see a lot more groups, a lot more individuals that run charity-based programs i mean there's even some people locally that do a bunch of charity-based stuff and they do it because whatever they do the charity for either themselves or somebody around them that they cared about was affected by it like there's, there's a large als organization around here because one of the large real estate um guys that does a lot of the projects in the area his son had als and ended up passing away from it so he has like a um down at the oceanfront there's a handicap accessible like park that's fully Mm -hmm. handicap accessible he also made a um like a summer camp for kids that's fully handicap accessible yeah Um, and that was all stemmed from his son having als so i think a lot of people and i think as much as it like sucks to hear i think there's a purpose between people suffering with chronic illnesses, and disabilities, and I think that purpose is to start helping other people in the community, start educating other people in the community. I mean, look at it, look at it this way, the podcast gets big, you taking your time to come on for the podcast, you might help 10 other people with the illness, you might help 20 other people, you might help 100 other people that have one of the conditions that you have, and you might make their day-to-day life easier.
1: Yeah, I think like in an ideal world that's great my biggest thing though is that we shouldn't have to do that for people to accommodate us and be flexible for us like that it's kind of that whole idea of like inspiration porn is it like representation or is it inspiration porn like all these people posting about oh this person with a disability did this what's your excuse and it's like listen where people just like anybody else it's nice if you appreciate the fact that we put in so much more effort than the average person but at the same time you can't turn around and then refuse to hire people with disabilities or you know talk down about people with disabilities or use language that is inappropriate about us it just
0: yeah i can understand that um, like when
1: I, when I started working in North Carolina, um, I think we've, I mean, we talked about it before, but my background is in education. I was a special education teacher and I taught students um, primarily who were autistic, um, but had other diagnoses too, like oppositional defiant disorder, ADHD, etc. cetera. Um, and when I moved to North Carolina, every time we went somewhere to get like a piece of furniture for my apartment my mother would always have to pull someone aside and be like oh this is my daughter samantha she's working with kids with autism and i'm like it it's not a bad word and also it's completely unnecessary for this interaction for you to say that like you don't need to don't use my disability and my struggles to get praise from other people yeah it just feels wrong to me kind of like when i see actors who are able-bodied or neurotypical playing disabled characters like you couldn't find a single person with that disability to play that character that seems kind of suspicious doesn't really make sense like that uh oh i mean thankfully she got a lot of crap for it but sia when she made that movie that came out in music, um, which is about uh, Kate, what's her last name?
0: I don't even know the movie you're talking about. I'm not a huge movie person.
1: Ah, okay. So basically the gist of it is um, a girl who kind of, uh, this woman who kind of, her life is a mess. Uh, she ends up needing to take custody Of her autistic younger sister. And the autistic character is named Music. And she, uh, you know, she's nonverbal. She does a lot of stereotypical autistic behaviors that people associate, you know, when they think of autism. Mm -hmm. Um, But instead of casting an autistic actor to play music, they cast Maddie Ziegler that girl who's in all of Cia's music video, she was on Dance Moms. So they got a lot of flack for it. They also show, there were two scenes that had to be cut out of the movie because they used restraint positions that were extremely unsafe. And Cia got a a lot of flack for it because, you know, all these autistic people were like, we could have done the movie. Like you did the, you didn't even do the bare minimum of listening to autistic people when you were making a movie about autism. And essentially the character of music is basically just a plot device so that her sister can grow and change. Like that's the main character of the movie and it just it just kind of leaves a bad taste in the mouth.
0: Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately there's still a lot of education that's required um, for everybody when it comes to this community, which I mean, it sucks that it has to be done, but on the other hand, I see that the the medical, I mean, the medical world and, and the chronic world in general is getting so complicated between new things being discovered for diagnoses, diagnoses that we're being, or were considered rare becoming more common um and i think people in general i know in the colitis community the um diagnosis rates going up but i think it's something that's needed more often because it's just it's affecting more and more people and those of us that are at the point where we've kind of come to terms with what we're dealing with or we're very well versed in what we're dealing with I think that's what we're here for is the education side of it.
1: Yeah, and like I'm totally like and me personally, I'm okay with educating people period. Like that's not something that really bothers me. If someone doesn't know or they ask a, you know uh, inappropriate question or whatever, I'll answer it and then I'll tell them why what they asked is inappropriate. But I think there are a lot of other people who don't want to do that and they shouldn't have to. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah. And I mean that's that's extremely fair. And, and that's why I think for those of us that can and that want to, I think it's really important that we do. Because yeah. the more that we educate, the less that the people that don't want to put themselves out there and educate, the less they have to do that.
1: Hold on, sorry. My you good she's about to bark for like the next 20 minutes. Hi. down um yeah, you're good. <laughs> she uh she doesn't her she is a doggy that's my dog she has a friend who lives a few doors down who is uh out of town for the week and so she barks now at every constant little sound because she thinks they're out there and she has ah. to go check um yeah no i i i think one of the good things that's coming out of this is even if, you know, people are still having to be educated and it's a lot of emotional labor for those of us who are already chronically ill, that at least some change is happening. Like like you mentioned uh, about the park that's accessible or the camp that's accessible.
0: Yeah. A a lot of people in the area know about that because it's such a large... Um, real estate developer in the area. And he's done a lot of projects and, and kind of raised a lot of awareness in the area. And, um, you know, something that was he was affected by. So he himself, I mean, he's older, so he might have have some health conditions, but he, he himself doesn't have ALS, but he raised a ton of awareness around that. And I think I think we need more of that. And I think we need more resources. Like, I mean, like this podcast, for example, there's, there's a lot of people that are going to be diagnosed with stuff that maybe don't want to explain it to their family members or don't want to constantly explain it to everyone and be like hey go listen to this go listen to this podcast it's all about it or go listen to this you know video that explains everything you need to know like this is what i'm dealing with this is kind of i guess to make it easier for people that are newer to things or that just don't have as much experience in it because it's it's really overwhelming i mean when you're newly diagnosed with something the last thing you want to do is take this information that the doctor just gave you that you're trying to process
1: come to terms with
0: and go yeah process come to terms with understand wrap your brain around because there's just so many different emotions and thoughts that go through and you know someone tells you you're since you're broken for the rest of your life um and what your possible treatments option options are and how none of them sound amazing and conducive to a normal day-to-day life the last thing you want to do is try to regurgitate that to family members over and over again when you're still dealing with it yeah so or i think,
1: worse defend <laughs> yeah diagnoses yeah. i have so many family members who will be like okay but like I feel like every time there's a new word or diagnosis that comes out, like you have it. Like, don't you think that's like too much? I'm like, believe me, if I had the option to not have this, I would take it.
0: Like you you want to trade? I can, I can be the normal person that's ignorant about life and you can deal with all this stuff and you can tell me if it's excessive or not. Like, but yeah, I think that's, that's, that's kind of where, you know, those of us that are more involved in the community, kind of deeper into the community and more educated with more experience in certain things.
1: Or from... who just have the ability to be.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's kind of where we come in because there needs to be a lot of education around it. and The more education there is and the more we can spread it, the more people that are affected by it and I think it can start helping, um, especially the younger group. And younger generation because I think I think they're affected by it more and have to adapt to it more especially with kids how kids are because kids are amazing little angels that don't ever point out the flaws in other people oh no <clears throat> um <clears throat> yeah so I think I think resources like like this and trying to build up as many people sharing as many stories and experiences as they can can help the people that are coming into into it especially with everything that we've been dealing with COVID. And I mean, now that we potentially are going back into COVID restrictions with everything going on um, last thing I want to see is the, the mental health side of it take a spike again. Like last time, I know the suicide rate went up a little bit and yeah, our community unfortunately tends to tends to be a good chunk of that. Um, The mental health and chronic community tends to be the majority of it. And then I think with COVID, even some of the people that are normally defined as normal got affected by it as well. But <clears throat> yeah, I think it's important. And I don't know. I, I i look at it as if I never got colitis personally, there's a lot of things that I wouldn't be doing and a lot of goals that I wouldn't have focused on helping other people in the community. And I know not everybody's like that, which is fine. Um, not everybody has to be. But I think it's it's kind of one of the takeaways and I, I guess one of the things I'm grateful for from it which I'm not saying I'm grateful for having colitis but I'm definitely grateful for the things that have led me to
1: yeah I mean I think you can be grateful for
0: the experience the
1: without being grateful for
0: the process the journey yeah, <laughs> yeah. like yeah <clears throat> Like, I'm I'm grateful from where I'm at and the growth that I've achieved from having colitis. It sucked. It was not fun. But where I'm at now, personally, and I guess maturity, focus, just how I think about things because of it, I'm definitely grateful for. Um, yeah. And the path that has kind of put me on. Am I grateful for the financial side and the pain that I had to no, know? But it got me to it where was, I am. No one
1: is grateful. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that. no no one is grateful for the financial side um the only time you're grateful for the financial side is when your insurance company messes something up and you don't have to pay for it um or
1: you have universal health care
0: well yeah you're in the wrong country for that I know. um why okay. well, okay. and i say that because i've interviewed a couple people from other countries and i have a couple coming up from other countries and most other countries have some form of universal health care um and most of them have the option of if your employer has it or you you decide you want to get additional he- healthcare as well you can so yeah. yeah that that system's broken on a lot of reasons
1: that would take an entire another 4 hours to dissect
0: yeah yeah so
1: i uh, i agree with you about being grateful for kind of what your own journey has led you to because i don't i mean like you said you wouldn't know a lot of this had you not been diagnosed i on the other hand worked in the community of disabilities way before i started having a lot of the issues that i had like if you had asked me 15 years ago like do you think you'll be disabled? My answer would have been, no, I'm fine. Like I have asthma or whatever, but I'm good. But I was still working with that community. So when I started getting diagnosed and I started having all these issues, my experience in the community was helpful because I kind of had a general idea of what was going on and it wasn't as scary.
0: Yeah, you are a little more prepped for it.
1: But then it also gave me a totally different perspective on things like a lot of the things like certain uses of certain language um or certain questions that people would ask before I didn't see a problem with it and now that I'm like oh oh that yeah that makes sense now
0: when yeah when when you're constantly like bombarded with the have you tried like no like right so it's just it's not not even like have
1: you done this have you done this I heard about this like I'm trying to be helpful and the intention is there But that also kind of implies that the person you're talking to isn't doing everything they possibly can to get better, which is a really crappy feeling. It's like my parents constantly, you know, were like, well, if you just would drink more water or like, instead of doing this, you should do this. And I'm like, listen, the choices that I'm making are based on recommendations by my doctors. Yeah like well for every doctor you hear who says this I'll find you one that doesn't well no okay but the doctors I've been to know my personal medical history they have my labs they have my my uh imaging they have my history like they're giving recommendations for me personally not just like a random blanket statement so I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to them thanks
0: yeah yeah well and it's <clears throat> yeah no there's there's definitely certain things that i wouldn't i wouldn't personally say like trigger me it's not that i guess reactive of a response but there's definitely things it's just like it gets so it, it's just you hear the question and it just drains you you're like why did you have to ask that like why are we even going through this conversation Let's just stop this now it's just a bad idea
1: a good time and honestly I'm feeling so attacked right now
0: like I'm just like why well, I, I was having a good day you know I got away with eating something that I probably shouldn't have everything was going great and now you're going to be like well have you tried this diet no no I haven't tried this diet have you tried colitis I didn't think so <laughs> so have you tried this have you tried this disease I no, there's not a trial option for that is there Okay. So <laughs>
1: have you tried shutting your mouth? No, didn't think so.
0: It's just, Oh God, it's so annoying. And, and, and yeah, I, I mean, I get that at work sometimes like, well, you should try this diet. Uh, no, no, I'm good. Oh, there's so many benefits to this, this, and this. so much, so many benefits to vegetables and fiber. I'm like, yeah, for the normal person. I was like, yeah, However. If your body
1: works. I'm sure it does, but my body is not normal.
0: <laughs> like, I would love to eat raw vegetables on a regular basis. However, if I do that, I will end up in the hospital within a couple of weeks because like my colitis does not like raw vegetables. I can steam them, I can cook them. Problem solved. Hi Layla, I'm not feeding you right now. No, dog's bugging me. I'll give you pets, but so yeah. Yeah, it, it drives me crazy. when they're like, have you tried this? Have you tried that? Like, trust me, if there was a solution that worked 100%, I, I would have done it by now.
1: Yeah. I like, think I, I haven't
0: does. spent 10 years just twiddling my thumbs. Like, oh my God, I hope it fixes itself. Like, no, it's... I've come to the understanding that things don't work. Now, for mild cases of Crohn's and colitis, there are certain diets that work. However they are still specific to each person. There's no like set in stone diet that works for everybody that has Crohn's or colitis because the bacteria in your digestive tract is as unique to you as your fingerprint. So your response to how you handle foods is just as unique. There's certain categories you should avoid, but.
1: That's for everything. Like when I was teaching, obviously I'm not right now because of my health, but when I was teaching, I'd have parents that would come and talk to me like, do we medicate our child for ADHD, do we not? And I was like, I can tell you what my experience was, I, but I can't answer that for you because each child is different. Each medication is different. Each medication reacts to each child differently. Like it's, it's a decision that you guys have to make based on your child, what their doctor says, what other medicines they're on, any other diagnoses they may have. Like it's so unique to every person that there's no one blanket thing that is good for everyone, no matter what.
0: Well, yeah, and you have a medication that you know five different people might take and all five of them might have a different side effect from that medication too. It might yeah. treat them the same, but they might get a different side effect and how that side effect affects them. Yeah, there's like so many different factors. So when you take something like a diet that's not even meant for people with Crohn's or colitis, for example, and you're like, hey, have you tried this? Like, no, I have not. And no, that works for normal people. Maybe, not for me. Yeah. So. I get it. I will
1: say this though. One of the things that I think is a, big benefit that I think most people experience when they kind of become disabled or chronically ill is there's a whole sense of community that I never would have known about had I not become a part of it yeah you know no like, I didn't
0: I didn't find out about the community till like literally like three years ago and I've had this for like 10 years yeah Which, so like
1: I can go on Facebook if my parents or my friends are aren't good like listeners or they don't really understand what's going on I can go on there and talk about it and everyone's like oh yeah me too like this helped for me and I can get advice from people who've actually been through it or yeah you know hear about what they've done and all this other stuff
0: yeah no I I that's that's part of why I'm focused on the podcast and trying to grow it I'm trying to get these communities or or you know the community that I'm trying to grow as well I'm trying to get them more recognition more noticeable because i didn't know this community was here for all of the darkest periods of my disease and some of the period where it kind of mellowed out like i didn't find out about them until it's like oh everything's fine you're not great but you're not horrible like you're good you're on you're on autopilot like you can handle it no when i needed it it wasn't there and It's one of the, well, it was there. I didn't know it was there. And it's one of those things, like it would be nice if we had a community as the chronic community that was as well known as the American Cancer Society. Oh, yeah. Everybody knows the American Cancer Society. Like everyone's heard of it. Everyone's heard of a fundraiser that they're doing. Everyone's heard of it. Everyone knows somebody that's been affected by it. Like the American Cancer Society is like the pinnacle point of proper advertising to raise awareness around a specific disease. And being that cancer affects a lot of different areas of the body and there's a lot of different types, they can lump it all together. But if we could have a group like that for everybody else that has a disability, chronic illness, or a terminal illness to include mental health, like that would be great because kids that are like 10 and they're getting to the point of being suicidal because they're dealing with stuff at school they could go into that group and listen to other people and get, you know, I guess help or talk to people that are dealing with the disease or or get inspired by people that have had it and done amazing things and kind of give them hope for the future. Yeah. You know, I say that because 10 year old boy that had Crohn's Crohn's or colitis that ended up killing himself because he got bullied in school a ton and you know, brings the questions like, well, if he had a community behind him that he could go back to on a regular basis, would that have happened? And what would that person ended up doing for the community in the long run? Well,
1: I think not only that, too, but I think we also have to look at it from a kind of an educate the masses perspective, because even if we did have this amazing community that kind of you know, people were a part of, even if they're younger, that's great. You know, you could go back and go back home and fall back on that community, but that doesn't necessarily fix the problem of while you're at school, ignorant people are gonna do mean things. So like getting, I, I proposed this to my principal the first year I started teaching of having like a once a month after school program where at least one person from every classroom would come for like a lunch and we would have pizza And then we would have people, um, we would have kids not identified obviously, but kids who uh, are in special education, kids who are in regular education, kids with disabilities or health issues, some without, and we wouldn't identify them of who was who because that's breaking confidentiality, but we would just have a little lesson about either a different type of disability or illness or how to befriend someone who might look different than you or, you know, what do you do when your friend starts getting sick? How do you act around them? And then have like little community activities like a craft or a game or something just to get people to know each other. And so then when those kids go back to their classrooms, if kids get moved around or they go to another class the next year, or if they, you know, kids in special ed go for inclusion time in a regular classroom, they will always have at least one or two people there who recognize them and have had that empathy training. So it's easier for them to make friends. It's easier for them to not have to deal with those kinds of questions, to not have to deal with the bullying. There was um, one of my students my first year, that same school, uh, because that club got denied, that it didn't happen, even though I tried really hard for it. There was a a kid who ended up becoming my student, but at the time was in a regular, education kindergarten class and he had moved from being in a self-contained preschool class with like I think 10 students and like three adults to being put in just a regular kindergarten class with like 30 kids and one teacher and he had a lot of sensory overload that happened and one day Uh, We had an unscheduled fire drill, like the fire alarm went off, everyone had to evacuate. It was like August or September, so it was brutally hot outside and everyone was complaining. Well, this kid's parents had given his teacher permission to share with the class why, you know, sometimes he did things that didn't make sense or, um, you know, maybe why he wasn't looking at them when they made eye contact. And it was a very, you know, nice kind of accepting sort of explanation. And so those kindergartners started getting on to every single person around them if the person was complaining about the kid that pulled the fire alarm. And it told them, you know, he has autism, it's not his fault. And all of a sudden, that spread. And within 10 minutes, the entire school was jumping on anyone who tried to talk badly about who tried to complain about the heat or you know whatever happened and they all turned into this giant accepting group of oh it wasn't his fault okay like it's fine you know it we don't want to be out here but it's it's not his fault we're good and then everybody went back inside and it was like nothing happened and it was really amazing because i think when you catch kids super early, kids are super accepting and super nice. They may ask, ask questions out of ignorance, but it's never, you know, it's, it doesn't have an ill intention behind it. Whereas when you get older, you know, when you get to middle school and high school, those are when kids purposefully try to hurt people and purposefully make comments that are mean or cruel. So the younger we can teach kids to be accepting of all people, regardless of differences, the sooner we can get them books that have representation for people with limb differences or disabilities or who are using wheelchairs or who look different than them or who act differently than them. The earlier that we can start that education, the better off everyone would be.
0: And unfortunately, The problem with that is relying on our our education system is never going to fix anything because it's already so underfunded at properly teaching kids how to be kids and and transition them to being adults, let alone trying to get them to accept a bunch of other things as well and spread education around that. And that, That also requires a very special group of teachers your average school and your average teacher is not necessarily going to uh, push that
1: yeah which is the issue my my view has always been a little different because that is my world Yeah, like that's where I am so I'm like this seems like an obvious answer granted do I think it's going to work into policy change given the fact that you know we still have people who refuse to let their kids take science classes because it doesn't teach about you know it it teaches evolution
0: america is so stupid that they refuse to get a vaccine that could potentially save themselves and they only regret it at the point that they are dying yeah the amount of change it would take to get schools on board with that and everyone to agree with it yeah and that's and that's kind of that comes back to i think you know what we need to do as a community to spread the education and I think the bigger the community we can grow the bigger it starts to mean something and
1: loud enough they have to listen to us right
0: well it's 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 one of those things when when enough people are following it it doesn't matter if you necessarily agree with it you're just not going to go against it and like for example there's a couple of very large YouTubers. PewDiePie is one of them. Mr. Beast is very, very quickly growing for all the stuff that he does. PewDiePie, for example, is one of the largest YouTubers. And there's a whole bunch of stuff around people just not talking bad about him because he's the largest individual YouTuber. Um, and there there kind of becomes that mentality, like, well, because of how big he is, you can't be against him. You're either for him or you're not involved. You're never against. And I think that's part of why the community needs to grow. Like, like the Cancer Association. You're either with them or you're just not involved. You cannot be against the Cancer Association. Yeah, not the Cancer. I mean because it's so big, there's so many people that support it. Like you can't be that one person that's against it. So you create that kind of community for
1: people aren't against the cancer. Like, so I understand the point you're making, but one of the issues is like with PewDiePie, that's an individual. And I think as a person, like it's, there are going to be people who are against him. They may be kind of shut down quickly by the people who support him. But on the other hand, he's a human, he's going to make mistakes and he should be held accountable for that. On the other hand, the cancer society is literally all about let's cure cancer and nobody in their right mind is going to be like no you know what the world is better off with cancer in it
0: yeah. like i mean and and that's why you build a community around disability chronic acceptance like <clears throat> that 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 kind of comes back to my idea that the the small groups can hurt the community as a whole at times and not having one large central group that has kind of that mass behind it, because <clears throat> you need to have numbers to make a difference. You need to have numbers to be respected in the society, with the way the society is. Because it's every everything in society is number driven. Anything popular is number driven. Anything in America is number driven. Everything views on videos, how popular something is based on how many people are involved in it or, or, or buying something. Everything is numbers driven in the United States. And that, that's what it has to be. There has to be a community driven around a massive amount of support and people. And the bigger it gets, the more of a, a presence it kind of like demands and that's the, that's part of the problem with the chronic communities all the all the little groups they don't demand a presence colitis has in 2015 3 million people by now at the the 1.4% rate it should be like i think 3.8 almost 4 million people in total and let me look up Crohn's and colitis awareness so we're at maybe 4 million people roughly, in the U.S. with Crohn's or colitis. The Crohn's and colitis awareness page on Facebook, which is one of the largest pages for colitis or Crohn's awareness, only has 117,000 people. Which out of 4 million, that's that's a decent percentage. But 100,000 people, I mean, there's, there's individuals on TikTok that make stupid faces that have more than 100,000 people that follow them. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things. <clears throat> society is driven in America by numbers. It's driven by how popular you are. It's driven by how much money is in your bank account. It's driven by numbers. So you pull all the communities together, you pull all the hundred thousand communities together, a hundred thousand people that are involved or that are, you know, following to get information. You pull all those communities together into one big community while still having the small individual communities. Now that one big community is 10 million, 20 million, 50 million. That's a number that cannot be ignored because that's 50 million, 20 million people following a specific purpose. And that's that's just if you look in the, you know, if you focus on the United States, a lot of people, and I mean, I, I have people that message me on the podcast that are in completely different countries. So just if you look at the United States numbers, now, if you create a community With the world involved like that that number is what drives everything and i mean if you look if you look at social media in america it can be a the dumbest idea ever the tide pod challenge it was the dumbest thing ever everybody knows you shouldn't do that but the numbers were driving it people were eating tide pods ending up in the hospital because numbers were driving it Because they were getting views and they were getting people to watch their content it was a numbers based thing so it doesn't matter what your cause is if you can get enough numbers and views behind it it becomes popular whether people agree with it necessarily or not if they're if they're just on the ride and on the bandwagon because it's popular and they're they're riding the popularity wave they're still going to learn something from it along the way because they have to they have to to be part of that popularity wave The issue
1: that that I would say exists, though, from just kind of what everything you just said is that, you know, speaking from my marketing and advertising degree where that, you know, becoming popular, going viral, that was what we studied, um, is that things like the Tide Pod challenge, things like, you know, the TikTok face things, all of that. It's enter- A, it's entertaining, but B, it's something that everyone can do, everyone can relate to. So if something pops up on, on my feed that just happens to be about you know colitis, I personally don't have colitis, I don't deal with it, I don't know much about it, I might like it, but it's not something I'm so personally invested in that I'm gonna be part of that specific community if that makes sense. Same with like, I don't expect people who haven't dealt with EDS or haven't dealt with hypermobile spectrum disorder and other connective tissue disorders. I don't expect people from the colitis community to be super involved with the EDS community, unless there's some overlap. If you really wanted to get the driving force of everyone who's chronically ill and disabled to really make widespread, massive change, it would have to be under one umbrella of just disability and chronic illness acceptance.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's to be one community.
1: individual little things because there are not enough people behind it. And if we tried to educate everyone about every single chronic illness and disability there was out there, people would get overloaded because nobody can retain and absorb that much information about that many different subjects and be efficient.
0: No, no, you you build a community around the 70 or 80% of things that we all deal with, that we all can relate with. That's what you build a community around. And then within that community, you have, you have sub-communities that take care of individual issues, individual disease issues. Yeah. So you pull okay. everybody together to focus on that 70 to 80%, and that's where you build that massive community that just focuses on, hey, if you have a chronic illness or disability. These are the things we need to talk about. This is the information you need to know.
1: Yeah, this and is I how think you deal with your doctors is being done. Like, you know, back uh, the Americans with Disabilities Act. That was a huge movement by people who were disabled who came together, you know, and marched and held sit-ins and and protested to get the ABA passed. Because at that point we didn't have any equality under the law or protection under the law. Yeah. So it's almost like, (laughs) it's almost like we had to create like a manifesto, like a bullet point list of like the top 10 things that every single person with a disability or chronic illness agrees needs to be done. And then just make one massive campaign with one massive cohesive message. So, like changing, changing curriculum in school is a huge undertaking. But if you start it small and just you know share buttons from this one community and and share this one message and then build off of that, that's kind of where things start to get going. Uh, a good example is the ice bucket challenge, yep. right? That blew up online, and everybody found out what ALS was, and it raised a ton of money. Um, And that's because it was something everyone could do, and it just kind of made sense. Um, I don't know if you had this in school, but I remember growing up in middle school and high school, they used to have like the resource officers come in and set up cones and get you a tricycle, and they would have you put on goggles that were distorted, so it made you
0: see the road
1: as if you were impaired from drinking Yeah, and then you had to go through the course and then look back and see how many cones you knocked over and it kind of mimicked that. It's almost like we need to create like a some kind of experience where other people who aren't disabled and chronically ill can kind of experience what it's like for us to kind of give them that understanding and kind of increase the empathy and compassion factor so it becomes more personal
0: yeah yeah so yeah there's a lot there's a lot to work on a lot to work on but
1: I think some things are are there though I mean uh I know there are things like the for for me it would be things like the Ellers Danlow Society is a big one they have a ton of different stuff and then like growing up when I was in high school, I was a camp counselor and then a director of a camp for kids with disabilities in my hometown that was run through my local Girl Scout Council. And then yeah, there was we have a-, a
0: couple camps out here.
1: I actually tried to start that same type of camp here with the Girl Scout Council in Huntsville and it didn't go well. But um, we, have more a, uh, like-
0: we have a camp for autism here.
1: Yeah, a
0: bunch of of stuff with kids with autism throughout the year.
1: Like Best Buddies or there's um, in San Antonio, Texas, there's a place called Morgan's Wonderland. It is the country's only 100% accessible theme park and water park. So no matter what your disability is, you can go there and and everything is accessible and uh, it's free. It's free entry for people with disabilities. Um, so only the caretakers and family members have to pay. It's amazing. And it was created by a guy whose daughter was disabled and um, her name was Morgan and it's really pretty. I've only been once, but I really want to go back. Things like that. Things like- that
0: super
1: cool. It is. It's so cool. Um, like advocating if you're- local park is being it's like you're having a local park built park built advocating to get a company in there that makes accessible parks um advocating for your local schools to add wheelchair accessible swings or sensory areas or what have you just little tiny things like that that kind of build up the momentum
0: yeah yeah I mean, it, it definitely, it takes a lot of effort, but bit by bit, we got to chip away at it. And it's good. I mean, it's definitely good to have that giant goal.
1: I think that's ha- that's what has to keep you going, right? I mean, you have to work towards something. Otherwise, what's the point?
0: Yeah, well, yeah yeah
1: and i've always lived my life knowing that i wanted to make the world i wanted to leave this world better than how i found it That's yeah actually one of those girl scout rules you're taught leave someplace better than when you found it so if you're camping when you leave the campground make sure you clean up all your stuff and if you notice any litter on the ground or whatever clean that up too
0: so. Yeah, I've, I've slowly been playing around with different ideas of how to uh, help my area. And I mean, first one was wanting to join the Coast Guard, but that didn't work out. Um, can't do that when Healthcare you have a...
1: doesn't accept people who have disabilities.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, broken butt is uh, definitely one of the ones that's a no-go when you're when you're oh. tied to an infusion every six... Well, at the time it was eight weeks.
1: They uh, They denied me too. They called me incessantly for months after I took the ASVAP in high school thinking it was gonna tell me like, you're supposed to be a baker, you're supposed to be a chemist. No, it was a military aptitude test and it's gendered. So they score you based on how well your gender does and there are sections on like mechanics and whatever. So I know a little bit about that from working with my dad on his old cars and stuff. So, apparently, I scored really, really high. I think it was like the 93rd percentile nationwide. So, I was getting calls from all of these branches. And finally, I stopped answering them. And then they somehow got a hold of my cell phone number that I had not given them and called me on there. And finally, one day I picked up and I was like, listen, I have a giant head have like my joints don't work like I have asthma all and like listing off the you know 17 or whatever diagnoses that I had and I was like will you please stop calling me never heard from them again
0: yeah yeah I mean at least we don't we don't qualify for the draft true yeah yeah so we we win in that aspect
1: regardless because I'm female (laughs) although that's also something i think needs to change i think everyone should be eligible for the draft regardless of gender didn't they change it not that i've heard
0: or are they just talking about changing it
1: they probably talked about it they talk about a lot of things but uh yeah at the moment i think only men are eligible which seems kind of dumb considering we changed the rules that said women can't be in active combat positions. So I'm like 100% proponent of 100% equality. Like, I don't think that men should always be expected to pay for dates. I don't think that, you know, that whole thing of if a ship's going down, like the women and children have to be first, obviously, but like if women can swim, we're fine.
0: I am a bald white male with a beard, so I'm not even touching that topic.
1: (laughs) But on the other hand-
0: (laughs) Oh, straight white male too. So I definitely can't touch that topic. Yeah,
1: Yeah, but like, see, that's the thing. Like I'm, and this was, I was pro universal equality before I was disabled, but like even now, or before I was really, like I've always been kind of disabled, but before I was 100% truly disabled, but on the other hand, because I'm disabled, that limit like that disqualifies me from it anyway. So I, I'm at the point where I'm like, do I really? Is it appropriate for me to have an opinion on this? It doesn't yeah. affect me.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm staying out of that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I know. I know how much my 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 category of people is liked in society. So I'm staying out of that one. I can talk about being broken because nobody can co- really come at me for being broken, but everything, everything else, I can't,
1: a white male.
0: I can't talk about women, women's, women's issues because I'm a straight white male. So staying out of that right. one.
1: But I appreciate <laughs> the fact that you know that, <laughs> right? Like,
0: uh, yeah, no, I don't, I don't open that can of worms. It's not worth it.
1: Yeah, when not I was worth it. back when I was going to um, when I was able to go to all of the Black Lives Matter protests, you know, following the death of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, I was there and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I still am. I still post things about it and I still talk about it and I read a lot of the literature and do what I can, you know, buy from black owned businesses, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm a white girl so my job right now is to shut up and listen and then if someone brings it up around all white people and they're wrong i'm going to say something but otherwise my opinion doesn't
0: matter (laughs) nope i stay out of that one i stay out of it i focus on disabilities that's about it when
1: we, uh, when I was first marching, I just had knee surgery, so I was on crutches, and I was telling me because we'd had issues with the cops coming and you know, tear gassing people and hitting, you know, shooting rubber bullets at people, and so by the time I got out there, I just had to tell people, I'm like, listen, I am a terrible guard for you. I'm a terrible shield. I break if I walk on the sidewalk the wrong way. So listen, if we're being chased, I'm just gonna do a very dramatic swan dive and throw up my crutches and just try to take out as many people chasing us as possible and y'all go ahead and run, okay? <laughs> like they can't demonize uh... a disabled white girl. <laughs> Anything they would do to me would n- would not go over well in the media.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the only card I can play is that I'm disabled. That's it. And even then, like, people will still question it because you can't visibly see it. So, like, that's it's the only, like, half card I can play. So, I mean, yeah. can
1: you, like, save, like, the results or images from some of your scans, like, your colonoscopies? That's what I would do. Like, I have a picture... A screenshot of a MRI of my brain next to an MRI of a normal brain. So I just pull it up and I'm like, here, this is my problem as like proof.
0: Yeah. Um, it's not that easy because even the colonoscopy pictures, they don't really, I have colitis and I look at them sometimes. I'm like, oh, uh, so what's, what's wrong here? I mean, now when it's really bad, it's obvious but that's those medical records are back up in massachusetts because they never sent them down and i don't feel like dealing with them to try to get them to send them down
1: oh yeah the epic epic long battle of transferring medical records when you switch doctors.
0: i went in the basement of that hospital in in worcester massachusetts and i was a umass worcester i don't care i'm gonna call them out i went into the records section which is in the basement like you feel like you're gonna get murdered going down this creepy hallway into like the dark deep and darkest part of the basement filled out paperwork. I paid them like $80 to transfer my records and my doctor still doesn't have them.
1: Yeah. I've tried that where I'm like, look, I'm just going to pay you to give you, give me a copy, like personally send me copies of all of my medical records from all of my different doctors. So all I have to do is just, Photocopy it and give it to whoever I'm seeing next. Um, that would have cost thousands of dollars. Yep. And uh, because I'm not working, that is money I don't have. Look. So I've got to rely on the system. I think even
0: if I had the money, I don't know if I'd pay $1,000 for that. medical records. Be like, ah, I think I got a pretty good idea of what happened. Might not be 100% accurate, but we'll figure it out.
1: Yeah, I think- Let's make a flow
0: chart. Um.
1: The issue that I have though is, and I've been reading a lot about this in terms of like discrimination in the medical field. So like women, uh, people of color, and then especially women of color um, are less likely to be believed. uh, We're less likely to get needed doses of pain medication. Um, The like- In childbirth, the mortality rates for women of color is astronomically higher than for white women. So I'm just used to going into doctor's offices and if people don't believe me, I just kind of accept it because I don't know what else to do. (laughs) And then I just try to find another doctor because there's like, what else can you do? Like, yeah, I don't, No, that's fair. If I don't have pictures, like if I don't bring copies of my MRI and bring the letter from the geneticist saying I have EDS, like if I don't have that proof, then I get nervous thinking that they're not going to believe me because it's happened before.
0: See, that's where you just got to get on your phone in the middle of talking to your doctor and be like, yeah, Bank of America, yeah, I'd like to report a uh, fraudulent charge yeah yeah i don't they weren't qualified to do what they were doing i definitely need you guys to dispute the charge at at, at this yeah it's uh Willow Woods doctor's office yep that's that's the right one yeah they don't know i don't know if their actual doctor's office they don't they don't listen See,
1: i think when you go in and you sign that paperwork you sign the agreement saying you'll pay the amount so i don't know if that would work i do know that you can report them to the board
0: oh i've disputed a couple of charges with doctors before
1: well, I'll try that next time. The other I've, thing I've
0: gotten it back too. Like I,
1: that's impressive.
0: great that I try. When you dispute a charge, nine out of ten times they agree with the the person that makes the payment. Like you as the cardholder wins nine out of ten times statistically. So I'll
1: that next. the other thing I know, no,
0: I'll, th- I'll throw it. Like I've I've called and I think I've disputed three doctors' charges, um, and it's been a long time and i don't even think all of them are colitis related no one of them was a primary care and that lady was just i don't i don't know if she was dumb or she just wasn't listening or all of the above but god she was horrible i went in because i can't even remember what i went in for and she suggested like 10 billion different procedures and tests i'm like how do those even re-? like no my toe hurts or whatever the issue was. I'm like that's not even close yeah So no, I've, I've called and disputed them and I've given like my bank account because I remember the first time I did it, the lady's like, you want to dispute what? I was like, yeah, I want to dispute my doctor's visit. She's like, but you went, I was like, yeah, I did. She's like, so why do you want to dispute it? I was like, well, I went to see a doctor that is knowledgeable on a specific cause. When I go to see a doctor and they're not knowledgeable on that cause, they're not listening to me. And I'm paying them for a service to fix a problem, and they're not listening to fix the problem. I don't consider that a uh, a uh, valid transaction. Like I feel like that's more of a scam,
1: dude. That's
0: like that's a white man hack that I could actually use. <laughs> like, look, look. If if I go buy something, or you know, if if I'm buying something and and I'm being misled on what it is. I'm buying a service. Like if, if you go and you pay for a service, like somebody's supposed to come cut your, your grass. You pay them, you're like, okay, I'm gonna pay you $100, to come cut my grass, eat, and take care of the hedges. And you pay them $100. And next week, your grass still isn't cut. Or they come out and they damn it, like they, they, they screw up your grass, they kill your hedges. I'm not gonna pay them.
1: No, it makes total sense. And you have Andrew. a valid
0: reason not to pay them. So I called my called my bank up and I was like, hey, here's what I went for. I went for it because I was having this issue. The doctor didn't listen to it, didn't want to understand it, and tried to push a bunch of other services that weren't related to the issue. So trying to get me to pay for a bunch of things. I was like, I went to a professional to fix a problem and they didn't listen to what I needed. It would be like it would be like going to a print shop. And saying you need business cards, and they just hand you a box of somebody else's business cards. Did you get business cards? Well, yeah, but they weren't yours. They don't even relate to what you, who you are for business. It's no different. Like They're they a service that they're providing that you're paying for. If they don't provide that service like they're supposed to, I call and dispute it, and I don't ever go back to that doctor's office.
1: No, that makes total sense. I've just that's never crossed my mind. The only I've, thing I've ever done
0: every is- single one that I've called to, I've called my insurance company, I've told them not to pay the doctor's office. Huh. So every yeah, single one I, that I've I, successfully disputed, I've, I've also made yeah. Like
1: is uh if like if I tell them something's wrong and the doctor just kind of ignores it or doesn't run any test or whatever, I'll tell them, you know, please, I want you to note in my chart while I'm standing here that you have chosen not to run any test. You have chosen not to take any action on this. And that usually does it. But then again, because I've grown up with so many different things wrong with me, my baseline for what is normal for the average person is totally skewed. So I don't know what's a symptom and what's normal. Like just the other day I found out, apparently if someone sits on a toilet for a long period of time, they don't have their legs and like their crotch fall asleep.
0: Wait, you, you didn't know that?
1: No, I. It's always happened to me. I thought that was normal.
0: I mean, that, that is what happens when you sit on the toilet for extreme periods of time.
1: But no, but I mean, I'll sit on there for like less than five minutes.
0: Oh, oh, I thought you talking like 10, 15 minutes. Like, yeah, no, that's, that's a very common thing with colitis. You're on the toilet for 20 minutes. You get up, you know, your feet are not doing anything.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I thought that was same with every time I stand up, I black out. I thought that was normal because that was my normal. Then someone else is like, no, no, that's not normal.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, no, I mean, look. When it comes to doctors, I don't play around. Now, I have really good doctors now. Granted, I needed new primary care cuz the one I was seeing, she was really nice, but she I think she retired, I don't know. Um, but no, I I've, I've had a couple of really bad doctors and I've just called up my bank account, disputed it, and once my bank approved it, I called up my insurance company and like, "Look, hey, don't pay this doctors office. They uh they don't deserve the income cuz they didn't do what, you know, what I went in there for, so you shouldn't be paying them." And they've been like, okay. You
1: need to make that and put it on a card and hand it out to people.
0: (laughs) Like they don't.
1: Like
0: I went in, I paid for a service. If you're not going to give me that service, I'm going to dispute it. Plain and simple.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people are going to be like me. They just didn't know that was an option.
0: I mean, you you can call... You can go to McDonald's, you can pay for McDonald's and you can call up your bank and you can dispute it. They're probably not going to side with you because there's no reason to dispute it, but you can dispute any single charge that you pay for. And your bank account might tell you that you're an idiot for trying to dispute something that has no reason to be disputed. Like, well, did you go to Chipotle? Did you eat the food? Okay, you're going to pay for it. Um, but no, like they they look at it I mean, I had to kind of break it down so they looked at it that way, but it's, it's a service that you're paying for. Did you receive that service? Yes or no? I go there because something's hurting and the doctor's not listening to what the issue is and they're not helping and trying to resolve the issue or even like they're ordering things completely unrelated or they're not listening to the ultimate cause, then they didn't do what I went to pay for. And my bank has agreed with me three times. And it's the only three times I've called them for it. So I haven't, haven't ever had any issues with it. And I, I even called up one of the doctor's offices. I was like, yeah, no. I asked them if they wanted to, to refund it. So I made like a complaint at the front desk and they're like, no. I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to dispute it then. I think the lady laughed at me. I can't remember. I don't know.
1: I honestly don't know what else to say to that because I, I can't imagine.
0: look, at the end of the day, I looked at it. Well, if the bank says no, okay, whatever. But I don't know. I'm especially, okay. So here's the big thing. So at one point, my dad changed my insurance because my parents went through a divorce and he was not a great person. So he made it so every deductible for anything, anything, just my flat deductible for any service was $500. Are you serious? Yes. He picked like the crappiest plan that his insurance, that his his office that he we was working at offered. Like he got the, the lowest one because he was married. So I'm pretty sure his wife had, his new wife had insurance too. Is he remarried? but he was supposed to carry my insurance until I was 26 so he picked the crappiest insurance possible when you know when it came for renewal for the the new you know every year you can change it if you have a full-time job so he picked the worst plan so every single every single deductible was $500 specialist primary care test anything $500 deductible infusion $500 deductible he did it cuz he's being a dick and he knew how much I used my insurance because he also has colitis. I got it hereditary. So he did that to, to waste a lot of my money, which he was successful at doing, um, which is why at the time I pushed for a full-time job so I could have my own stuff. Um, to which down the road when he changed insurance or when he changed jobs and got a new insurance company he didn't tell me about, With my infusion, you have to have a pre-approval. So I had to pay, well, I'm still paying for two of my infusions out of pocket and they said at $8,000 a piece. So amazing human being in general. But yes, one of the ones I called and disputed because it was $500. I was not about to pay $500 for a zero effort doctor that was not doing anything. So yes, yes. I had to call and dispute that one. That was my credit card that I called, not the debit card, because I did not put those deductibles on my debit card. It's a lot to pay for a deductible all at once. Um,
1: yeah, seriously.
0: Yeah, no, you want to talk about not going to the doctor to getting diagnosed for things? I went to the doctor, the bare minimum. Like my 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 like arm would have to be falling off to go to the doctor at that point because of how expensive those deductibles were. It was so dumb and i hit my out of pocket like immediately halfway through the year out of pocket was reached i'm like thankfully everything's free now
1: yeah i hit my out of pocket and i I hit it every year like yep as soon as as it resets like within two weeks i'm i'm maxed out
0: Yep, mine mine hits pretty quick too so
1: but uh i've i don't know like i've had the option of like this particular issue isn't killing me so I'm not gonna get it checked out but I've never had the option of just like avoiding going to the doctor period because I would die
0: (laughs) yeah it's it's pretty bad
1: and I I it sucks sometimes but I I do usually enjoy living
0: (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, it's a mess. So. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So <laughs> so no, if you believe your doctor's not doing the right thing, you've already paid your deductible. You can call and dispute it. I'm not saying every bank will agree with you, but Bank of America did a really good job with me.
1: Hmm.
0: I think one of them as well as Fargo. Because I've
1: definitely got yeah. my fair share
0: of... I start with, I'll call the doctor's office and I'll make a complaint. Um, if they don't do it, then I'll call my bank account and I'll just dispute it. Nice. Yep. And then if my bank is successful at disputing it, I call my insurance company and let them know and let my insurance company decide what they want to do. I don't ever follow. I don't know if the insurance company doesn't pay them that I have no idea, but I call them. And I'm like, Hey, I'd spear this charge because they're really bad. So Bank of America agreed that I didn't have to pay them. So you might want to know that you guys maybe don't need to pay them. You might want to push the issue that they didn't provide the service. So yeah.
1: Yeah, seriously. Well,
0: I did have one doctor's office that I called and They're like, all right, but it was like a group it's like a, you know how they have like a, a doctor, a group of doctors that all practice the same thing that work together. Yeah. They, they did refund it well, and they apologized. Nice. I also don't think that doctor was there much longer. <laughs> Cause you, you know how, when you search like in your area, the doctors that are in your area and they just pull up and there's like a giant list. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't in that list anymore for them. I don't know if he, like, left. Well, what? maybe you're I mean,
1: you're part of the reason for that.
0: Well, you know what? He was a really bad doctor, so I'm okay with it if he was. For the greater um, good. Yeah, it was for the greater good. He was... <sighs> he was a little older. just wouldn't, like, I don't know if it was, like, maybe they made him retire. But he just didn't, he didn't listen and didn't, no, it was It's always the primary cares, too. Yeah. Like, it's the most annoying thing when the primary cares don't listen to you because it's like, look, I am paying to come to you so you can just send me to somebody else. Like, you don't even have to do anything. You just say, hey, that sounds like not my problem. Here's a person who can fix it. That's all you do. You literally refer me to somebody else. You get paid to say, hey, go talk to the other person. I don't know what, I don't know how to fix that.
1: Yeah, I've been actually. I've had my fair share of bad primary doctors, but I've, I've been very fortunate here in Huntsville to have found a primary doctor that I absolutely
0: love. It's not even a challenge. Like you don't need to specialize in someone's butt. Like you just go and, oh, you don't feel good? Let's run these tests and see why you don't feel good. Yeah. Oh, that's something I don't know anything about. Like that's, that's literally what your primary care does when they transfer you to, or they refer you to somebody else. Like, yeah, no, that doctor went to school for eight years. I only went for four. So we're going to send you over there, but I'm going to charge you to tell you that you need to go talk to that one. Like, I don't know why I have so many issues with my primary care. Cause it's like, look, I just want to go in. Something doesn't feel right. And I want you to tell me who to talk to. Like you literally have the easiest job of like, Hey, that falls under this part of the body. You should go talk to this specialist.
1: I think you need to find a new primary care doctor because that's not what they're supposed to do. I mean, they are supposed to refer you to specialists if you need it, but they're all supposed to do a lot of problem solving on their own.
0: Oh, I, I, most of my issues, I need the specialist.
1: (laughs) I mean, I, I have, I have countless specialists too,
0: but. No, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like those, those are some older primary cares. I haven't had any issues. Well, i haven't had a primary care in like two years but (laughs) i haven't had any issues since i've moved here with primary cares in a while um but i mean no I, i i mean you go for your normal checkup but if i go in and i have a specific issue and it's like i just need a referral or or for example with with my insurance sometimes if i know i need to go talk to a specific doctor if there aren't any in the area that are in my network, I have to go to my in-network primary care and they have to refer me to my out-of-network specialist so that I get in-network prices. So yes, I literally go to the primary care sometimes just so I can get a referral.
1: Well, I do that too, but that's because my insurance, I can't see So my insurance, there are two doctors I can see without a referral. One is my primary care doctor. And my second is a gynecologist. I can't even go to an urgent care without a referral.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So So I I have like that. And that's why I say like, you know, sometimes I just go to the primary care and I literally need you to just tell me who to go to. So my insurance pays for it. Like that's your only job. You don't need to do anything else. Just tell me I can go there and you'll get paid for it. So yeah. Like, no, I've had that in the past where I've gone to a doctor and I need a referral and they don't want to give me the referral. And it's like, you have one job in this interaction is to get paid to send my name to somebody else so they can do the work. And you're telling me no. My,
1: uh, my primary care doctor kind of acts almost like as a as a personal health manager, because I see so many different specialists and I go so many different places and I get all these different tests done, she gets all of that and reads it and then I read it and then she kind of breaks it down and we explain it and we discuss it and we kind of problem solve on the fly.
0: Uh, That sounds like a really good primary care.
1: For other things. So it's like, well, this doctor didn't work. So we're going to try this person and this specialist didn't work. So we're going to try this one now. Like, let's see what we can do. Um, But anyway, um, speaking of doctors, I actually have to go um, pick up some prescriptions from the pharmacy before they close.
0: That works. Well, I appreciate you coming on.
1: Yeah, it's been fun.
0: As always, it's good talking to you again. Thank you guys for stopping by and listening to the podcast. I appreciate everyone. Make sure you guys stop and check out chronicliving.info. Got a new website up and running that's going to be the main area to find all the social media content as well as accounts. So make sure you guys stop by if anyone's looking to share their story, volunteer, either time or experience. There's also going to be some links on there of how you guys can get involved. As always, I appreciate you guys and I'll see you in the next one.